This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted that you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are on the planet. I'm delighted to welcome my guest, who's from an innovative Dutch quantum startup called QBlocks. Joining me today is the co-founder and CEO of QBlocks, Niels Boltink. So Niels, welcome. Yes, thanks. Uh, it's great to be here, Chris. So we're going to talk in more detail during our conversation, but just to orient listeners, uh, QBlocks has created a modular unit providing all the input and output signals needed to replace the myriad discrete instruments that are typically used to control a quantum computer. So, Niels, I always like to start the podcast by asking each guest to share a bit about their quantum journey, right? So we've all gotten to the quantum space from different places. Uh, the idea is to get our listeners oriented to how you got into quantum, especially aspiring quantum workforce members, right? People who are interested in getting into this uh, space, into this discipline, quantum information science. So they have a sense of what you did before you worked at QBlocks and what brought you to the quantum space, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, what you studied, other, other companies or organizations where you work. So uh, please give us a sense of uh, your background. Yeah, great. It's good to, uh, to start with a, with a personal touch. I'm just coming out of a long day of, uh, of mostly technical meetings, so it's a nice uh, nice. <laughs> right, it's five o'clock where you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, no, it's 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 great. So I've I've um, I guess ever since high school I've always had a, a fascination or passion for 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 always technology that involves both electrical systems and also physical mechanical aspects. Early on, I was always uh, working on a lot of audio equipment at home, uh, building building my own loudspeakers, amplifiers. Uh, so really, with a lot of electrical components, soldering. Cool. Uh, yeah, so that's. I'm a fan of loudspeakers for sure. Yeah, uh, great. <laughs> then we should uh, meet up more, uh, Chris. <laughs> yeah. If, if you come to Amsterdam, I can show you some nice. Uh, nice I would love there. to see that. So I guess the question that begs is, Niels, what were you listening to through those loudspeakers? Just a quick digression. Wow, well, anything. So um, yeah. yeah, I guess a lot of uh, a lot of uh, rock from from. 50s, 60s, 70s, but also uh, cool. electronic music, modern things. Yeah, so physics so, is a logical kind of extension of that on some level, right? Yeah, definitely. I'd say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So applied physics. Uh, I studied that in Delft. Um, that's where I met uh, the co-founder of Kubrick, Xu, as well. Uh, so we we sort of grew up in Delft uh, further and uh, with a lot of student activities and and things and. Uh, we're doing a lot of traveling together around the world, and I guess the idea of one day starting a company already uh, dated back from at, at more at campsites uh, two decades ago. Uh, wow! But, um, uh, it was kind of a good journey, and and I finished my my masters. That was the first time I got in, into touch with quantum technology uh, for the first time, working with superconducting circuits uh, hmm. in in Leo Di Carlo's lab uh, back in 2012. I was kind of already working on control systems back then. So it was in 2012, doing first feedback on, on superconducting circuits. And although I'd, at that point I'd been baffled by, by the idea of quantum mechanical uh, systems and, and how to control them, but I, 
at that point, I did not really see myself as a researcher, so I didn't continue that journey. I first went for uh, for an industry uh, job in uh, in the semiconductor industry. Yeah, but I guess after a few years, I really got uh, I was missing this quantum mechanical uh, sparkle, so to say. And uh, yeah, yeah, I let I thought let's get back to it, and uh, I got back with Leo Di Carlo and uh, and went for the PhD. And it was huh. really great, uh, great experience. Uh, yeah. Great. So, so you're a physicist and you wanted to come up with, I find this quite intriguing. You want to come up with a solution for what you describe in your literature as the hardware bottleneck in quantum mm-hmm. computing, right? So, uh, what made you decide on, you know, focusing on a full stack hardware solution? Cause the, the solution is quite wide ranging. Right? We'll talk about that in a moment. What was it that intrigued you about the hardware bottleneck? I saw the development of electronics and the building of these experimental systems always a bit of a bit of a, a sidetrack. Like like when you're doing when you're doing scientific work or experimental work, you really want to get to the bottom of something. And building the setup towards that is actually uh, a bit of an annoying sidetrack because it it takes you away from your goal. And so yeah, I, I maybe should say that electronics has also been a large frustration for. For myself and also the team around me, and but in the in the end, you kind of realize this. Okay, we, we've solved we've, we've been solving these problems for for ourselves, uh, and maybe that in the end was actually the value of what we did. So uh, that kind of panned out into the into Qblock. So the idea that the problems we are solving for our own research, maybe we can help others and uh, and lift the struggles uh, for them. That's the- yeah, so that's a great message. I mean, again, that you. We're kind of doing it to solve your own problems and saw a problem that was frustrating not alone to you and your colleagues, but to the sort of broader community. So yeah, that's no, that's a that's an expi- inspiring story. There's a lot of support for quantum information science in the Netherlands. Quite mm-hmm. remarkable, right? There's Quantum Delta, which is, as our listeners may or may not know, it's a public private foundation that was launched last year to coordinate and execute the Netherlands national agenda for quantum technology. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. worth noting, they have a budget of a whopping 615 million euros yes. from the Dutch yeah. Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate Policy. Can you give us a sense of how QBlox functions within that broader ecosystem in terms of partnerships or collaboration mm-hmm. or client interaction? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that the, the latest uh, release of budget is, is really very important. And I think it falls also in, a, in a, quite a long tradition. Uh, here in the Netherlands, where uh, where companies and and academic and and also governmental institutes work together on quantum tech. So uh, since since QTech came into existence in, uh, in 2014, um, there was already Microsoft on campus and Intel uh, had a big collaboration. Those ideas uh, are already running for for quite a long time. And yeah, for us, this has created um, the ground to yeah to to start our company and. Uh, amongst us, uh, different companies uh, are coming into existence. Uh, so it's really um, already quite a long tradition of creating this uh, this groundwork for the ecosystem. Um, yeah, for us, it, it 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 is why we are here, uh, and and this latest yeah. release of this new fund, uh, yeah, that's going to likely mean a lot of new partnerships, collaborations. Um, it is still taking shape, so uh, uh-huh. exactly the forms of collaborations are still uh, under development. But uh, yeah, for sure, this will be another boost for the ecosystem. That's uh, that's 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 clear. Yeah, so we look forward to seeing how that all evolves. I mean, 
the implications for that much money at the kind of impact it could have, right? The ability to accelerate quantum information science. It's very exciting. In doing my research for our conversation, one of the great things of the QBlocks portfolio that struck me is that you're what I would describe as qubit agnostic, meaning your devices can control quantum computers based on superconducting qubits and quantum dots and trapped ions, cold atoms, and even nitrogen vacancy centers. So, of course, there must be issues managing these different types of qubits. Can you describe some of the common common challenges and maybe the distinct ones? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's. Uh, I definitely like to dig into that. So, so first, why is it such? A, there's there's really a great opportunity in in making one system that control multiple platforms. And I think yeah. the first reason is that on on the software top. So, uh, when describing algorithms, like there's clearly one common language for for all these platforms. Uh, but the the trick is that when translating these high level algorithms into the, the very low-level analog signals, there are quite a lot of steps. And in the end, those signals are looking quite different for the different systems. Yeah. But yeah, there are, there are clearly also some commonalities. Like all these systems roughly require uh, electrical signals in the same frequency ranges. So the same hmm. type of uh, digital to analog converters in the end can be used for, uh, for, for all these platforms. Uh, there are, of course, also, also quite a big quite big differences so the type of channels that you need the, the frequency ranges the uh, the number of readout channels versus control channels and and all those varieties um, yeah we, we try to solve that by creating a very modular architecture so um, depending on the architecture you can sort of form your own system um, and yeah another big challenge is in the um, uh, different time scales that these systems operate because um, some systems like superconducting qubits really need very fast and, and short operations. While, for instance, in trapped ions, um, these are not operating at the nanosecond level, but more at the millisecond level. So that is really a factor, factor million of one million slower. Uh, so uh, creating one system that can do both of these time scales at the same time, mm. that is quite challenging. Uh, we have yeah, we have the right tricks up our sleeves to to do that, I should say. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, creating that technology that will do that, cover the just the range of timescales is pretty remarkable in and of itself. So along with the hardware, we're talking about hardware, Cubelox has also created an open source control software called Quantify. Mm -hmm. I, right, you've co-developed with another terrific Dutch firm, Orange Quantum Systems. Can you tell me about that? Tell listeners, you know, what language is it written in? Where can they get it? Is it on GitHub or Bitbucket? And how are people using it? Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, you're, you're quite uh, well in your platforms, I should say. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah it's, it's, first of all, it's really great that we can, that we can develop this in Delft with, with, with our neighbors, of course, Orange Quantum Systems, who is our day-to-day -day leading partner uh, in, in creating this platform. But also the fact that it's open source really is creating a community around us of yeah. other developers, users, but also contributors to, to this code. The, there was a, quite a clear choice for us to go open source. Um, and that is because we, we think that most researchers are really, uh, really require maximal flexibility in how they, how they use and develop their control systems. And that mostly right. requires flexibility at the software level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why, why we make that, made that choice. So. It's uh, it's all quantifies all a Python platform uh, that is 
hosted on, on GitHub uh, using the, the standard continuous integration, continuous testing method. Um, and on top, we have created a lot of uh, tutorials um, that, that people can follow, even without having a electronics or a platform, you can already run and play with the software uh, yeah, to get a good feel for what it can, what it can mean for you. Um, so yeah, this openness Great. is really at the, at the heart of uh, of Quantify and also part of our offering because you can not not just use this platform with with Cublox Electronics, but you can also use it with your existing hardware in a combination or uh, for other uh, huh. vendors as well. That's uh, that's as open as uh, as we can make it, I should say. Yes, getting the community to support the the progress that's terrific. So sidebar promotion to go to listeners, go to GitHub and download this code code and look at the tutorials on read the docs, right? Is it read the docs.com or um, are, they, are they on GitHub? They're connected to the code. How would people navigate to the tutorial? Uh, Googling read the docs and, uh, and Kubelux or quantify. Uh, Great. Directly Perfect. brings you to the right. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Without giving away any competitive advantage, I always like to ask, you know, more about how customers are using your solutions, right, out in the real world. So um, to the degree you can share, I'd love to get a sense for our listeners of, you know, who's using your solution and are there certain verticals or industries? Always looking for, like, who are early adopters? Where is it gaining traction? Who thinks this solution is actually driving, you know, business value? Can you give me a sense of that? Yeah, at the moment we're active in in three platforms, so um, Quantum Dots, Superconducting Circuits, and uh, we're now also starting to uh, be controlling MV centers. Um, and yeah, so our personal background has been in superconducting circuits, so it was for us a very natural step to first uh, start working with partners that that are in that field. Right. And, and also, I think the demand for the the scalability and the the econom economical solutions that we provide. Uh, are, are a bit larger still in that that domain, but now yeah we also see that in quantum dots those setups are also growing. So uh, having more flexible, fast, uh, economical solutions is uh, is also very much in demand on those sides. And yeah, we're now exploring various other platforms with with new partners who will be doing cold atoms, um, uh, for instance, and rare earth ions. Uh, huh. Getting wow. more exotic uh, every day. <laughs> really? Wow. So are, are there certain like verticals? I mean, you know, when we talk about quantum solutions, we talk about financial services and drug discovery, yeah. pharma and material science and logistics and any uh, just, again, not asking you to name names, but just mm -hmm. curious, you know, if you're on the inside dealing with this in the real world, any sense of uh, where you know, early adopters are in terms of verticals or industries? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So for us, we see quantum computing market still really as an R&D market for the coming, for the coming yeah. years. So that's yeah. what we're doing. We're supporting the R&D. That R&D yeah. is, is traditionally more happening on the academic side, but is now moving more and more towards, towards corporate startups, but also the large corporations. And we kind of have a very spread out uh, portfolio of customers that that some large companies, but also some research institutes uh, like QTech, uh, but also in, in other countries that uh, that build similar size uh, systems. So for us, it's more about what what type of system is the customer building, rather yeah. than is it a corporate or is it an um, academic institution that is quite similar. Yeah, that makes 
That makes sense. I've heard people say that, you know, quantum is, there are two sort of, two schools of thought that it's for, you know, big players or big companies, but then someone pointed out you can access quantum computers like on Amazon Bracket or even IBM makes like 20 odd computers available in the cloud. So Mm -hmm. I want to ask in, in the spirit of that, what are the broader business implications of the QBlox portfolio? In theory, perhaps lower barriers to entry for small to medium-sized companies looking to get into the quantum Mm -hmm. space, possible inspiration for other startups with adjacent technologies Mm -hmm. or broader adoption of quantum computing overall. What's your sense of of that? In general, there's a big transition going from vertically integrated companies towards really a zoo of, of specialized companies that... <laughs> a zoo, that, I like that. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, what is it, value chain is a more uh, professional word, but uh, no, I, I, that's, that's it feels a better more qualifier. like a zoo. Yeah, um, well, that's a, I think it's a better qualifier between uh, you and me. <laughs> and totally. that, uh, but that transition for us is actually quite quite cool that that is happening because it means that yeah. uh, we, are, we are also part of this uh, specialization, like we, we, we specifically chose to not try to do everything, but really do one thing and, and uh, solve it for many parties in the world. I think that development is, uh, is happening everywhere. So, Yeah, I know it's a unique positioning statement for sure. At the end of the day, one of my main focus areas is around sort of uh, workforce, right? And the key ingredient to any successful business is having access to a talented workforce. I know there's a lot of conversation around preparing the quantum-ready workforce, but I want to get your take on the challenges facing a company like QBlox in finding talent. So how do you go about recruiting? Are there specific disciplines maybe that are harder to find people? The thing I noticed, I mean, you you make stuff, you make boxes, you make mm-hmm. devices. So that brings you know a whole other need to the business model Mm-hmm. Uh, things like user experience designers. I mean, certainly, you know, IBM has people dealing with user experience, uh, you know, for their giant uh, quantum computers. But for you, it's got to be able to be used and understood. And mm-hmm. you know, people have to, you know, human computer interface conversations have to be going on mm-hmm. uh, in addition to, you know, electrical engineers and physics conversations. So, can t- share with your with, with the listeners, you know, your perspective on getting quantum ready workers to come to QBlox and who you're looking for and how that yeah. works. So I, I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. So we are indeed very much an all, kind of an all-round company where everything yeah. comes together. Like from, from uh, We have quantum theorists uh, who, who are not even touching uh, electronics. Uh, yeah. We have uh, software developers, uh, digital design engineering who are really... Uh, designing uh, circuits at the level of, of transistors uh, and, and electrical engineering on the R&D side, but also on the marketing side, we are creating our own marketing material. So it's everything in a, in a company uh, really comes together. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're, we are indeed active in the market. So we're, we're serving customers. We're doing uh, those type of things as well. So in our, in our HR or in our recruitment, so far we've, we've had... A lot of different sources to, to grow our team. A lot of people have come from, from the Delft side, so really from our own network and, and, and ecosystem in, uh, in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, but increasingly, we see an influx from other countries as well uh, who start to notice the Delft ecosystem uh, and, and apply with us or with our neighbors. And then uh, we sort of try to find out 
how people can fit in uh, in one of the companies in the network. And yeah, so far I think recruitment on most disciplines has not been a real issue uh, for us. Um, but uh, of course, yeah, we, yeah. we really encourage people to uh, to apply and, and see if uh, if they can fit the. Um, uh, yeah, the big challenges that we have at Kublox. Um, yeah, I've, I've spoken with other, you know, quantum executives who have affiliations with universities and use them <laughs> as sort of a pipeline. I know it must be great that you're connected to the University of Delft, right? So do you use that as a way to create talent pipeline? How's that relationship? Yeah, we, we've had uh, multiple people coming in from uh, from a PhD track did not want to continue in the academic realm and. Uh, uh-huh. I think for all sides of the ecosystem, so it's not like we're just emptying the the research institute. Like it's it's also very good for the research institute that those people stay nearby and get a job in the, in in the same discipline, but then in a, in a company form. So I think it's it's mostly working out for all parties in the in the network. Yeah, great potential for collaboration between academia and business right an industry so final question around sort of the roadmap if you will so more and more companies are claiming to be building quantum computers with hundreds if not eventually thousands of qubits mm-hmm. so can you share with listeners you know your strategy for how the qbox solution will scale to meet this need you know as as more and more qubits are are deployed to, mm-hmm. to drive computing solutions what's your sense of how that's going to impact Qblox and how how are you positioned to help support that? There's a lot of talk about the numbers of qubits in systems and how they will evolve. And first first thing I'd like to stress is that that's definitely not the only thing that that needs to happen in the field. Yes, and, good um, point for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get to to the numbers, it's it's not just a matter of increasing the, the qubits on the chip or increasing the size, but it's also a lot in the the quality of the of the qubits uh, and and thereby also the systems that drive them. So going to the next step does not just mean increasing the channel density or increasing the number of channels that can be operated, but it also means that we need to uh, that we improve the the levels of noise, the levels of drift in the system. Uh, it is all to to keep the system uh, fast to be calibrated uh, and and with as little recalibration as necessary. So. In, in all those realms, uh, there's a great deal to do in the quantum chips uh, to make them more stable. But in the, in the control stack, there are also very big challenges that, uh, that we are solving. At, at this moment, we, are, we, are, we can comfortably build already stacks at the level of one, 100 qubits. So mm. uh, that involves around uh, 400 channels uh, to drive huh. the system. Uh, and that can fit now in one meter, in one meter size. So. Uh, that's still quite convenient if you compare it to the size of the fridge already. Um, uh, but yeah, to really grow to the next step of 1,000 qubits, uh, uh, we have to tackle quite a lot of channel uh, challenges. So there's also a lot yeah. to do with the, the cabling. So having a few hundred cables is still quite doable. Uh, not not convenient, but doable. Uh, but growing that to thousands is uh, also requires uh, solutions on that side. So. Um, yeah. We're very lucky to also have neighbors in Delft that work on that those issues, so the cryogenic cabling um, that connect to our room room temperature cables. So, uh, working on those interfaces uh, is also um, quite close by. That's handy. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 
So, Niels, no, certainly thank you for pointing out that you know, it's not just qubits. I think that's a, that's an important point to make, right? It's a much more complex roadmap to get to you know the next generation of quantum computing than just cranking up the number of qubits, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. no, terrific point. So, in closing, I want to uh, invite people to connect with you on LinkedIn, right, if uh, you're amenable to that. I'm going to give people your email, Niels, N-I-E-L-S, at qblox.com, Q-B-L-O-X.com. Point people to your website, a group on LinkedIn that people can yeah, join. We have, um, yeah, we have a company page that you can follow. Um, cool. Of course. We also then, invite people to, um, yeah, to, um, to contact us and to get more details on the systems or on the company. Like it's, uh, Yeah, yeah. And... You know, are you hiring? What skills are you looking for? Where can people interested in working for a terrific company like Qblox find more about opportunities? Is there like a career page, I assume, on your site? Or uh, Yeah, I think we do have a few. Uh, we definitely have a few applications online at the moment. But I'd say that we're growing continuously on all aspects of the company. So commercial side on the um, uh, on the tech side if you if yeah. you if you see a good match in the culture and the in the technology at Qblox, then we really invite you to write an open application because uh, on all sides we are continuously uh, expanding join for the right. rights uh, <laughs> yeah exactly join come join the zoo <laughs> be part of the zoo well Niels, thank thank you so much for speaking with me today i really enjoyed our conversation this was very enlightening uh, great to learn more about you and your company and uh, best of luck. We look forward to uh, seeing how you spend that uh, 600-odd million euros or what part of it you get access to and uh, yes. to do more innovative and interesting work in the quantum information science space. Likewise, Chris. It was really great to be here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Quantum Tech Pod. We're delighted that you're interested. Please share on your social channels with friends and colleagues to let them know about this content. And we look forward to having you listen to the next one. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.